Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is Pastor Kevin Weatherby, and I invite you to saddle up and ride with us as we strike a trot to the backside of God's green pastures and learn how to live for Him. Me and Jared and Stacy and the kids and some other people, Christy was there. We went to the WRCA in Ranch Rodeo in uh, Colorado Springs at some big uh, Pendleton place, or I don't know, Pemberton, I don't know what it's called. Anyway, big, big outdoor rodeo arena. It was real nice, fancy. We're sitting there watching the Ranch Rodeo, and all of a sudden they announced, they said, we want y'all to welcome the Rodeo Queen and all of this other stuff. And coming out riding this big old fancy gray horse was the prettiest girl you ever seen. She had a little tiara on her hat and locks just flowing in the wind. And uh, I can't wave with my right hand, so just this is a mirror image. You know, she went to going out across there and she was waving like that. And that horse was smoking it. Well, she went around this way first. And during this little uh, cow queen Rodeo, waving, lots of flowing. They were getting ready for the wild cow milking and they were drawing a chalk line across the rodeo arena. <laughs> and she makes it around the arena and about halfway across here comes that chalk line. And she's still just a waving. And she gets to that, let me rephrase that, poor horse gets to that chalk line and you got three guesses what happens. He goes, down that chalk line and you got one guess what happened to the rodeo queen. <laughs> Face first. I never laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> hey, you can laugh at my arm. I've been there. I've done that. If you've never had a situation where you came off like that or nearly came off like that, I bet you wasn't wearing pantyhose. Okay, cowboys? So she hit, I mean, she hit hard, and there was like a, how many people were there? Probably about 3,000 people. There was 3,000 go, ooh, and me and Jared goes, did <laughs> 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 you see that? That was great. So we got some bad looks. <laughs> if you're out there watching, honey, I feel for you. I, if you're listening on the radio or something, uh, man, I, I can laugh because I've been there and I've done that. Today, we're going to talk about how we do that same thing in our experiences with God. We get real close and then all of a sudden we hang a left. And instead of going where God wants us to go, we go another direction. In Matthew chapter 27 verse 51, it says that when Jesus finally gave up His Spirit on the cross and He died, one of the things that happened is the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top, but top to bottom. I've read stuff that said that that curtain was like six inches wide. You're not just going to go up there and, you know, well, Griffin may be able to break that. But most people, most people would be able to break it. But what it did is this curtain separated the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was and where God resided in the temple, where God made His home on earth. Now, only the high priest could go in once a year to the Holy of Holies to directly commune with God. But when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. And what that signifies is that we are able now, we don't have to go through anybody else to experience God. We can walk right on up in there. 
But I'm telling you that a lot of Christians, and, and I'm, this isn't a message about salvation. Salvation is only obtained through faith in, in Jesus Christ. But a lot of people don't experience that that wondrous life of experiencing God one-on-one -on -one because they get right up there to that doorway where that curtain used to be and they hang a left. There are many things that keep us out of the Holy of Holies of experiencing God. Three things that we do to block the entrance to the Holy of Holies. Have you ever seen a, a, a dog? <laughs> you don't think I'm joking. I know some of you have seen it. Um, I, I had this little uh, this little weenie dog, and that weenie dog would carry this big old stick. Well, whenever you walked up on the porch, you know, the, the entrance to the porch was only about yay wide. He'd have this big old stick, and he'd come trotting up, and bam! Kind of looked like, what happened? And he couldn't get through there because the stick was too wide. We've all seen dogs do that. But I'm telling you that a lot of times we do the same thing at that entrance to the Holy of Holies. We take something that can't go through there. The first thing that we try to take through there is our pride. Pride is probably the number one thing that keeps people from truly experiencing that relationship with God like He wants us to. Because we, we are self-sufficient. We think that we can do it, and, and, the, you know, and, and Americans are terrible about this. Americans are like, succeed, you got to try, 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 you got to do this, you got to try. And, and to, to humble yourself, to fall down on your knees and admit that you're a sinner, and that you need God more than anything else, a lot of people will never experience that kind of relationship with God because they let their pride get in the way. The second thing that has that keeps people from going into the Holy of Holies is the love of money. Now, I understand that, you know, we all got to have some money to buy some bread and some Rice Krispie treats, and we used to be able to buy Twinkies, but we can't do that no more. <laughs> Not unless you got like $4 million on uh, eBay or something. But we're not talking about money in itself is not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. Whether you have a little bit or whether you have a lot. But it's the love of money. Remember the rich man that Jesus encountered. The rich man walked up and said, what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, keep all the commandments. And he said, I've done these since I was a child. And I'm vastly paraphrasing here. But then Jesus, he said, I've done all these since I was a child. And Jesus said, then sell everything you own and give it to the poor and follow me. And the rich man bowed his head and walked off. Because he couldn't give up that. He'd been a great guy. Jesus never called him a liar for obeying all the commandments. But he wasn't willing to give up that love of money. That security. Money will not save us. The only thing that can save us is Jesus Christ. The best things don't come from money. But from God. I told somebody the other day that what God is really working on me about right now. Is, you know, there's a red pickup back here that's in my name. But it's not mine. See, that's the pickup that God provided me that He allows me to drive. The house that I live up on the hill and everything, even though I pay rent for it and everything, the money that I pay the rent with came from God, and the house came from God because He allows me to live in it. We need to all get to that type of relationship where we have nothing. Everything that we have is a blessing from God, and we need to be thankful for it. 
How long could you sit there and go, this is what I'm thankful for? Man, you could just start looking around you and start with your toes and thankful for the one one-toed sock that you got with the hole in it and the boots and the jeans and go on and on and on. But the love of money will keep you just like a dog going through a doorway. If you love money more than you love God, I'm not saying that you can't get to heaven. I'm saying that you're going to have a hard time experiencing God to have that fulfilling life that He promised. And the last thing that we can do personally that keeps us from that relationship with God is thinking about how smart we are. Do you know some of the smartest people I know personally do not believe in Jesus Christ? Because they think that they're so smart that they've got it figured out, that they know better. They lean on their own knowledge instead of on the Word of God. You would think that people that were that dadgum smart could figure out that this world ain't about them. That they can't save themselves. Look around. The Bible says that you can see God in everything. Behold His creation. Oh, but no. Well, what happens is, you know, uh, we're just a big old fat accident. Kind of like falling off a horse or sticking your hand in a shoot where it doesn't belong. <laughs> Don't let your knowledge... And I'm not getting on to smart people. But you know what? C.S. Lewis that wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and everything, he was once an atheist. And then he became a believer. And he was smart enough to figure out that it wasn't about him. It was about God. Three things that we do to keep ourselves from having that relationship with God, to experience God. We've got to let go of that pride. And I, care, I tell you what, I, I, I didn't say that one for last, but that's probably one of the hardest. Is to unmacho yourself enough to drop down on your hands and knees and know that the only way to happiness is to deny yourself and lean on Jesus Christ. Love of money, knowledge, all of those things keep us from having that relationship with God that He intended for us to have. I'm not saying that you can't go to heaven. I'm just saying that you will not experience God. You know, in the Bible, they talk a lot about scribes and prophets. Now, do you know what a scribe is? A scribe is one of those fellows. Okay, they didn't have a Kinko's copying machine back then in, in the olden days. And so everything, every book had to be hand copied. And I hope they didn't use their left hand because it looked really bad. But anyway, they sat there and they copied everything. Well, you want to learn something about what the Bible says? Why don't you write it down word for word about a hundred times during your lifetime? You're going to know exactly what the Bible says. They were very knowledgeable in what the Bible said, but it was all just head knowledge. It was all, this is what God will do. The difference between the scribes and the prophets, the prophets experienced God. And that's what Paul says, I would rather y'all be prophets. And whenever the Bible talks about prophets, it's not necessarily meaning that you've got to go foretell the future. It means hear from God and pass it on. Okay? So Paul says, I would rather you prophesy than do anything else to encourage others. But we have become a nation of just memorizing Scripture and knowing what the Bible says, but it's useless unless you experience God and you know how to use it. But it's not just us. It's not just us that keep us from going in there. Sometimes the church itself keeps us from going in there. What do I mean by that? 
I said a long time ago that I think that ever since that veil was torn, that big old fat curtain that separated the holy of the holies where nobody could go in but the high priest, ever since that veil was torn, the church has been trying to put it back up. Now, why would I say that? Because everything, it's like we put the veil up at the church door. We go through it and we say, hey, if y'all want to see God, you got to come in this church. you got to come in here. Come on past the veil. Wait, wait, wait. You're not good enough. You're going to have to go clean yourself up before you come in here. We don't take sinners like you. Well, you know what? You ain't dressed just right. So go put on some more britches and, and shine your shoes, and then you can come in here and experience God. It has become a big fat club. Now, not always, but we need to get to a place where we don't have a curtain up at the door. Quite frankly, I would rather, I want you to experience God more Monday through Saturday than I do in here. Now, I'm not saying that I don't want you to experience God in here, but I don't want there to be a curtain up at the fairgrounds that if you want to experience God, you've got to come in this building. This is just a building. The church is all of us. I just hit my hand and that hurt. <laughs> <clears throat> Try not to squeal. <laughs> y'all get what I mean whenever I say I don't want y'all just to come in here. I don't want this to be the only experience with God that you have. I would rather you have 10,000 experiences Monday through Saturday than just a, just a, a speak good and smile and shake out all the brothers and sisters' hands. Too much emphasis on the church. When we started Save the Cowboy, the main thing that I feel like God told me is He said, I want you to be an outward-focused church, not an inward. Because it's not about how many people we have sitting here that I care about. It's how many people we have sharing Christ out there. That's what I want. I could care less. No, I, I want as many people in here as we can. We are supposed to make disciples, not make disciples and you're done. But what I would rather have is to be an outward focus, not where, oh, well, everything happens at the church. Everything happens at the church. Everything happens at the church. I want stuff to happen at the arenas. I want stuff to happen. I don't want this to happen to anybody. Okay? But I want you to go out and work with each other. I want you to see each other in the, in the grocery store. I want somebody to overhear your testimony about what God is doing in your lives. And folks, if you don't have that testimony, it's time. It's time that you experience God. Like, you go talk, come up and talk to me. I know you can go talk to Brad. Numerous people that have experienced God and they'll just sit there and just, it's hard to explain. But that is available to each and every one of you. Another thing that the church does to keep us from going in the Holy of Holies is the denominational divide. Now, let me say this. I am not necessarily against denominations, okay? I don't care really what Bible, believe in Jesus Christ, believe in denomination that you come from or you've got family in. I don't care, okay? As long, and let me explain that. Because, see, I like country music. I like to come listen to Barry play and sing because that reaches me. What doesn't reach me is the big band or the really... Uh, highfalutin gospel music, I, it's, I'm not criticizing it, it's just not me. Well, different denominations do things different ways to reach so many people, and I don't have a problem with that. But what I do have a problem with is if there's a denomination out there that says the only way to Jesus Christ is in our denomination. Oh, that's putting the curtain back up. Now, you can belong to any denomination you want to, as long as the focus is on Jesus Christ being the Son of God. 
depending on the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. That's what's important. I do not like denominations that think that they're elitist. I think we've all been around some of those before. But they don't need our criticism. They need our prayer. And we will pray for them. How the world keeps us from experiencing God. We talked about how we keep ourselves from experiencing God through pride, the love of money, through we think we're smart enough to figure it out. We talked about how some churches in it, that keep us from going in there by building the deal and making it all inwardly focused. It's not about Jesus, it's about coming to church. It's not about coming to church. It's about faith in Him and living for Him every day. Elitist denominations, elitist churches. But the world will try to keep you from experiencing God also. The world will tell you that you deserve it all. You deserve everything. If there's something cool out there, you deserve it. And anybody that says you don't deserve it needs to go somewhere else. Because you do. You cannot pick and choose what you want to follow with God. Think about that. I know a lot of people that read their Bible and they're like, I'll follow this one and I'll follow this one. And I, well, I don't believe that part. You can't do that, folks. You can't pick and choose which sins you want to uh, denounce and which sins that are okay. None of them are okay. You've got to follow God fully. You deserve it all. Success is number one. I talked about this a while ago. America is so results driven. We sit there and we don't care about anything, about the end result, whatever it may be. But I'm here to tell you that when, as the world is concerned, it doesn't matter where you get to. It will never be enough in this world. Money does not buy happiness. Some of the most powerful people in the world are the unhappiest people in the world. You might have heard, if you're a football fan, that a Kansas City chief football player, linebacker, shot his own girlfriend yesterday and then committed suicide in the parking lot of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I guarantee you, that man should have had, from a worldly perspective, a pretty good life. NFL football player, making good money, but it wasn't enough for him. He wasn't happy. What can you do? How you feel is most important. That's what the world will tell you. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong. How do you feel about it? Did you know that most fights and other arguments come from a position of my way is better than your way? Most of them do. Very few fights come from a biblical standpoint where two people can't reach because if it was a biblical two Christians coming together, they wouldn't care about what they think. They'd only care about what God thinks. But fights and disagreements come from a, my way is better than your way. The way I feel is more important than the way you feel. That's not the way it goes. Don't depend on this world for your happiness. The only way to experience true happiness, and some of you are searching for it. I see it in your eyes when you walk in. I see the struggles that you're going through. That you walk in here and you're like, I want this so bad. But... I'm not experiencing the same thing you do, preacher. Why is that? Well, it may be something that I've mentioned today. Is it pride? Is it a lust for money where you're geared seven days a week, make more money, make more money, make more money, buy more toys? Because we all need that living quarter horse trailer, right? 
Mine will have to drop out of heaven. <laughs> so how do we do that? How do we experience God? How do we experience God firsthand? You know what? Don't be afraid of crazy things. Because see, when you start following God, some of your friends and family will think you're nutsoid. Do you care? Are you going to let somebody what they think? Well, you just a holier than thou. You just want them Bible bashing people. No, you're not. You just love God. Nothing wrong with that. Are you more worried about what your friends will think or where you're going to spend eternity? That's basically it right there. But can you put your money where your mouth is? You may be sitting here saying, oh, I believe. But that's easy in here. What about when you get out there around your buddies, around your family that don't believe? Do what God says. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can you go out and do that even if people think you're crazy? As a matter of fact, if nobody thinks you're crazy, you're probably not doing it right. Do what God says. Love Him. Love others. You want to experience God? Love on Him. Love on others. And do what He says. Quit picking and choosing. The second thing, take a chance. Take a chance. Barry, how scary was it whenever you sold the farm and went out on the road for God? What do you think, Victoria? Was it hard? Extremely hard. Extremely hard. It is. They depend 100% on God. And they're looking pretty good, and God's really feeding Barry. I didn't see that. <laughs> Not really, Barry. Not really. I resemble that. I resemble that. But take a chance. Do something crazy. Quit living in just that, that same old rut that you've been going in all the time. Everybody knows the definition of an insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. Get out of that rut. If you're not happy, quit doing everything that you've been doing. It doesn't take Einstein or my wife to figure that out. <laughs> she does know a lot, though. You should listen to her. Is that okay? <laughs> Take a chance. After me and Jared got through laughing, that rodeo queen picked herself up, dusted herself off. A cowboy that was in the arena brought her her horse. She got back on that horse, and she didn't just wave as she went to the deal. She made another round, doing the exact same thing. That's a cowgirl. I don't care if you have fallen off and you're going through a rough time. Get back on and do it again. This time, she was paying a little bit more attention when that chalk line came up. <laughs> Watch out for the chalk lines in life. Get out there and do something for God. You know, this old world is full of tough trails and scary switchbacks. Our prayer is that God spoke to you today through His Word. If you heard God talking to you, just get on the internet and visit us at SaveTheCowboy.com. We're trying to reach every corner of the globe wherever there might be a cowboy or cowgirl that needs to hear God's Word in a way that they can understand but we can't do that without your support. You can become a saddle partner with us at our website, www.savethecowboy.com, or contact us at 303-621-0133. Get out there and do what God's telling you to do. This program was brought to you by Western LLC, facility development for the oil and gas and aviation industries across the western United States. Reach them at westernllc.net. 
Also by the good folks at Integrity Auto Repair in Kiowa, Colorado, and Comanche Creek Enterprises. Contact them today for no-till drilling and burrowing rodent control. 